G'day and welcome to another episode of Spectrum Uncensored. Today I have with me Erica Gleason. She is a Senior Behaviour Specialist and CEO of Autism Swim. Welcome and thank you for your time today. Thank you so much for having me. Very excited to be here. Would you like to tell me a little bit about your professions? I imagine they, t- they tie into each other. They do. And um, in fact, it's a good question because most people don't know what a behaviour specialist does. Um, so I might start there because it is sort of the whole catalyst for why Autism Swim exists. So I work with and have worked with individuals who have very complex behaviour challenges for about um, 15 or 16 years now. So some of those behaviour challenges might be things like physical aggression, um, self-injurious behaviour, sexualised behaviours, things like that. Um, And about eight years ago, I was working in the ACT uh, and stumbled across the drowning statistics pertaining to those on the autism spectrum, and that is that they are 160 times more likely to drown than their peers. I thought it was a typo, figured something must be wrong with that if if I haven't heard of it and all the people and all the professors and everyone I was working with hadn't heard of it. Um, I started to dig deep and then realized in fact that is the case and there wasn't anything being done about it. So I was really desperate for the participants that I was working with to be able to learn swimming and water safety and benefit from water therapy but none of the local swim centers were willing to take them on due to their needs. So I started to provide pro bono training and resources and support on, on neurodiversity and specific support needs with no intent to start a business that is not was not on my radar at all um but as as great things in life often are um accidentally autism swim was born just by virtue of the fact the need was just so great which i originally thought was just australia but then soon came to learn it was an international need um and you know many people have probably seen the benefits of the water for those that have sensory needs in particular Um, and that often a lot of the participants I work with gravitate toward the water. But if they don't have the support necessary to be able to be safe and happy in the water, then it can be, of course, an incredibly high-risk environment and situation for them. It's a terrifying statistic. Like, I didn't realise it was that high either. And it is. um, I've noticed that pretty much every child on the spectrum that I've come into contact with loves water. Um, my son is one of them and he's nonverbal. Um, so we're often, he is aware of depth in water, um, and that he cannot swim, but that doesn't mean there's not going to be accidents. It's, you know, Mm -hmm. trying to get across, well, you could slip in, um, if you're walking near the pool and then what do you do? So it's very difficult and it, it would be a challenging job because you're trying to communicate um instructions in a very particular way for each individual person it's not um there's no manual that comes with that kind of stuff and my son's 10 and a half now and he's only just starting to have things click with swimming um so we've been doing a lot of um stuff in the pool and he's only just starting to work out oh i can float if i do this oh i can you know if i kick my legs i can do this and it's amazing to see him doing that but it's taken a very very long time I think that's part of, of the issue of, of not only the aquatics industry, um, society, generally speaking, in that a lot of people are taught, you know, in this instance, 
how to teach swimming. And it's like, that's great that you've been taught how to do prompt fading, for instance, or whatever it might be, but that's applicable to maybe one in 20 of your swimmers, diagnosis or not. Like everybody has very specific learning needs. And the way we pitch Autism Swims Education is that it's it's not about teaching people on the spectrum how to swim because there's no such thing. Like, again, if there was, I'd just write a manual and life would be so easy, but that's not, that's not the way it goes. It's about teaching aquatic professionals about different learning styles, about sensory needs, about why behavioural challenges might happen so that they can learn to be adaptable and go, okay, that's not going to work today for this participant or just because that worked for that participant doesn't mean it's going to work for this. How can I get creative rather than going back to that default thinking of sort of one one size fits all approach or, or one learning style will work for everyone? It's super inclusive and that it should be kind of across the board with that kind of thing in every aspect of life. Like they try, they're trying to do it more and more in schools. So it makes sense to be doing it in a swim setting or, you know, in a horse riding setting, you know, there's, there's so many different things just because somebody's neurodivergent or has a disability doesn't mean they don't want to do the same things that everyone else wants to do. So it is very um, needed everywhere so with autism swim it's obviously not just a facility you you obviously teach um instruction uh, instructors sorry how to you know do the the plans and all that kind of thing yeah we, we've sort of toyed with a few different things and at the end of the day we've landed on a model where we can have the most impact so sure we could set up a local facility and have, run our own lessons but this that's only going to cater to as many participants as you can fit in a pool in a week, right? So ours is sort of what we would call like a train-the-trainer model. So if you're an aquatic therapist, like an aquatic OT, for instance, if you're a swim teacher, if you're a school teacher that is in the pool sometimes, and now even if you're a surf teacher, you go online and do our certification. So you um, receive training modules and and resources and you do a three-monthly quiz and in return for that, we list you on our website so that parents or the person themselves can come and find a local aquatic provider that they at least feel reassured, understands about certain specific learning needs, really. So that allows us, that that's in fact the reason we're operating in 26 countries is because we've set it all up online and people all over the world can go, hey, and this is probably the case, I'm seeing a whole lot more participants than I used to that A, want to engage in my services and B, have specific learning needs that I'm not quite I'm not quite hitting the mark with. Um, how can I learn more? And then they go and do our online education. So, I mean, in it starts with aquatics and we have a big enough job ahead of us, given that we're the only ones in the world that offer this. But if we're thinking super, super big picture and long term, I would love to use that model and and take it to many other industries because, as you would be aware, this isn't this isn't a water specific issue. The need for this, it's it's completely across the board. So, pretty much every industry should benefit from from education in, in neurodiversity. Yeah, I mean, my my son is has no sense of danger, so he doesn't know how to cross a road safely. For example, um, he doesn't understand that taking your seatbelt off while we're driving or opening the car door while we're driving is not safe. It's it's very difficult to. He's a very smart kid, but there's a lot of 
I think, I guess it's the consequences of certain actions that he doesn't understand until it actually happens, which you obviously don't want your child hit by a car um, to learn a lesson. It's not, you know, it's not a viable option. But um, but definitely, like, even with your programs, with the swimming, um, it wouldn't even, even though it's autism swim, it wouldn't just be effective or helpful for people on the autism spectrum there I could imagine that it would kind of feed into other disabilities too because it is that holistic approach of that individual and working out how to read each individual person yeah totally and I think that our name's probably a little bit misleading because we did start with just people uh, that were neurodivergent and swimming and then it's moved into water therapy and now it's moved into surfing and, and nippers and stand-up paddleboarding. And then we've also got a whole range of participants that um, that may or may not be neurodivergent. So, yeah, people probably see our name and think that we just offer one thing to one population group and that's, in fact, not the case. And, and probably the greatest feedback we've received from our providers is that the education has been so valuable to them, diagnosis or not. So this isn't about singling people out that are on the spectrum and being like this, they're so different and they have to have these specific things in order for it to go well. It's like, no, they just each learn differently and have specific needs, as do I, as do you, as does everyone. So let's just learn how to be adaptable to everyone's needs. Yeah, well, everyone learns differently. Some people prefer visual, some people prefer hands-on. Um, so it's, it is, it's just catering for every single individual person's needs which that's the way the world should be and that's the way the world should work it obviously doesn't but but obviously there's people like you out there trying to make that happen yeah bit by bit um and I think like the way I look at it is is once upon a time if you were undertaking professional development or seeking additional support in the area of of disability or specific needs or any sort of you know population group you were really seen as being at the forefront you know you were such a good guy and that's so wonderful of you and now it's like it's not wonderful of you it's just the way society needs to be it's just that you're going to fall behind if you don't become inclusive and don't upskill yourself in those sorts of things so I don't see it as wow that swim school's autism swim approved that is amazing I see it as well why is that one not like there's really no excuse for that um and, and I really hope, like, I hope there's a day where Autism Swim doesn't exist because we don't need to, because it's just a given that if you're a teacher of some kind, you understand varying needs and you understand adaptability. But for now, we have to exist and we, and we soldier on. How many um, facilities and, and teachers and all that kind of thing do you think you've trained so far? Do you have a number? Oh, we've got currently over a thousand active autism swim approved providers across 26 countries um the number was far greater than that pre-covid um but because swim centers were closed for three years it's just sort of having to rebuild all of that um but if you think about the model like it's a it's over a thousand providers which we're so proud of and which is great but each of those providers can effectively then go on to teach so many participants, be it in a group lesson or, or in one-on-one. So it just means that our that the more we stick with this model, the more we realise the impact is just potentially 
huge and, and far greater if we do it this way rather than trying to service everybody ourselves. Yeah, well, there's no way that that statistic is going to decrease unless somebody tries to do something. So you're obviously, I imagine that that statistic has already dropped. So it's it's definitely um, something that is needed everywhere, as you say, around the world, because we often think about, you know, close to home, but it autism is everywhere. And it's, I guess, in this day and age, it just... It just makes sense to be trying to roll these things out everywhere. I've, I've spoken to so many people in these very niche kind of professions and you just think, why is that niche? It shouldn't be niche. It should be just, as you say, across the board. So mm-hmm. what would you say is like your most, the most undesirable thing about what you do? The undesirable. <laughs> Oh, I would love to say to you, I absolutely love every facet of um, my work and that I just embrace the challenges and it's all wonderful. But of course, um, there are downsides to every role. I think people probably, I think a lot of society has a misguided idea of charity life. A lot of people, I'm the CEO of Autism Swim, um, a lot of people think I own it but there's no such thing as a charity owner because it's actually the community that owns charities. And a lot of people don't realize that and they think charities are just going to be self-sufficient and run themselves and just let them do all the good work. We're very reliant on the community for support. We need community members to do fundraisers for us, to volunteer time, to help the mission get bigger and stronger. And that in itself can be a challenge, just educating people on the fact that it is the community's responsibility to uphold charities. Um, So there's lots of, there's lots of bureaucracy and red tape when it comes to charities. It's lots, I think people have this image that I'm, you know, out frolicking in the waves all day, every day, just having, having a hoot, which I wish was the case. Um, But in fact, it's a lot of spreadsheets and a lot of meetings and, all the, you know, some tedious behind the scenes stuff um, that often gets in the way of the goodness, but it's a necessary evil. Um, so I would say they're probably the biggest the biggest challenges we have. I mean, funding is forever going to be an issue for any small not-for-profit. There's not as many grants going as there used to be. They're very, very specific in what they need to be for. Um corporates have certainly tightened their budgets it's just a sign of the times you know like the cost of living has gone up so people probably aren't donating to charities as much as they used to so that that fight for support is um it's it's tiring and it's not getting any easier but every small not-for-profit out there is in exactly the same boat and you've just got to stay connected to to the cause and the why and the mission every day just to keep going and I think the more awareness that is spread about all these different things, the more charities keep popping up because they're, they're seeing a need for different bits and pieces. And it is a shame that there isn't more support out there. Um, it's definitely needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, and the government and things, I think, are starting to realise this and there's little bits and pieces going on and we're definitely further along than we used to be and there's definitely been improvements, but there's still a long way to go. But as you say, it's it's like a means to an end. It's most you know, that you've got to look at the positive um, things about what you're doing and what your your mission is. Um, 
So it's kind of like parenting, you know, there's, you got the good with the bad and that you love your kid and, <laughs> you know, it's worth it. So, um, but yeah, it's, oh, you seem very passionate about this stuff though. So how did you kind of come to being involved in these professions? Like what kind of led you down that path? Um, so I did behavioural science at uni with no real idea of where that was going to lead me other than that um, I just really, really enjoyed it. I was fascinated by the brain, the way people behave, the way people think. I was naturally good at it and I thought I'll just soldier on and something something will come about of this weird, weird degree that no one's heard of. Um, and not long after graduating, a um, professor took me under his wing and um, I started doing like a fly-in, fly-out um, role as a behaviour specialist. And I remember on day one of that job coming home and saying, this is the industry that I'll work in for the rest of my life. I just thought that I could just tell straight away that the participants that I was working with were far more interesting than anybody neurotypical <laughs> um, and that I could see I could see the role I could see my role in their life I was like oh great these are the skills that I can teach you in order to be able to communicate for instance or to meet your needs in a way that's not through behaviors or you know to help you feel more regulated it's like being able to just see how you can make someone's life better and, and effectively do that um, means that it's incredibly I feel so lucky to have just stumbled into the, the inclusion industry by accident. And yeah, I feel incredibly passionate about it. And I sit on multiple boards and I do lots of things in the space because um, with, you know, with one in five people now having a disability and, and we're seeing the role of technology and what, what that's playing in the disability. I just think it's the way of the future is to, is to tap into this incredible population group that, can only enhance society. Sounds like um, if we ever get to cloning people, you'll be at the front of the line. I'm going to push you. <laughs> Trust me, one is more than enough. <laughs> but you're right. It's, you know, the differences need to be celebrated, but then also embraced in a way that is inclusive um, rather than just going, oh, that's great that you can do this, but, you know, we're not going to help you achieve anything else. It's... It's definitely, uh, it's, I'm, I'm meeting more and more people that are so in tune with neurodivergence mm -hmm. and neurodiversity and a lot of people hear neurodiversity and think, oh, well, that's just people with disabilities. No, it's not. Neurodiversity is about everybody. That's the whole point. Neurodivergent, yes, but not neurodiversity. So um, there's a lot of, I guess, um, myths and things like that that go mm -hmm. around. And, yeah, I mean, anybody is technically able to do anything if the right supports are in place. Um, so it, th that's where we kind of need to go. Well, the sky's kind of the limit. And I, I know for myself with my son, I don't, um, I don't put any restrictions on him in a way mm -hmm. that it's like, I don't think you can do that. It's like, let's try and just see what happens. And he surprises me all the time. Um, I, in the early days, I was very much like, oh, because of what I'd been told that mm -hmm. he wouldn't do this and he wouldn't do that. So I was very much trying to kind of keep him away from failure. Um, mm -hmm. And then I realised, well, no, that the only thing that is failing him is not trying. So it's, yeah, it's amazing changing your attitude um, 
what that can do for a person. Totally. And and on the flip side of, of that is I have a big issue with people seeing um, people with a disability as, as inspiration or inspirational by virtue of the fact they're driving a car, they're having children, they've got a job, they're functioning as everybody else is in society. And like, why on earth would that be inspirational? Like, of course they are. Why would they not be? Like, it's just still those those attitudinal barriers which we just need to push through. And um, I will I will remain on the pursuit of trying to to educate people on the fact that you're right. Given the right opportunities, everybody can do the same as one another. It's just about receiving the right support to do so. Yeah, it's it's definitely a condescending attitude um, that is born from ignorance. So it's it is it's getting that mm. awareness out there and you know, nobody is less just because they have a disability. Everybody wants, has wants and needs and, you know, wants to be loved and all the rest of it. So, and I'm mm-hmm. sure most people want to be able to swim too. So <laughs> I know, um, yeah, it, as I say, I haven't met a single person who's neurodivergent yet that doesn't like water. So what you're doing is absolutely amazing and it is so needed. And I'm going to go and have a little look at your list now and see um, what <laughs> where it's available to me providers popping up all the time and if um so this is just for everybody's sake if you go on there and there's not a provider in your area just let us know what some of your local swim centers are and we'll make contact with them and just educate them on what we offer and the benefits to them um of which of course there are so 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 many um but our footprint is getting wider and wider and i hope that there is a provider close to you Um, that's for the swimming lessons but we also run our modified nippers program i'm not sure if you live close to a beach but that's also a program that we're offering that's expanding a lot we're um, in queensland for the first time this season so that's super exciting that is very very cool yeah a lot of kids love the beach the sand and the sensory Um, we do live close to um, a beach we're not far from barabi island so it's a beautiful Mm. part of the world but um, and my son loves the beach so there you go but um if anyone's looking for the information what's the website autismswim.com.au so um, because we are the only ones that exist if you just put autism swim into google we should be the we should um, be the first and pretty much only ones that appear so we're pretty easy to find we're on all the socials as well awesome wonderful thank you so much for your time today it's been a pleasure to talk to you and you're a wealth of knowledge and just yeah keep doing what you're doing because it's amazing thank you so much for the support and thanks for having me on here hopefully it's not not the last time No, I don't think so. I'm sure we can have you back again. (laughs) Catch you soon. Thanks, Jamie Lee.